for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. to have you all here today as we start 2022 together. Isn't that exciting? You're, you're glad you finally made it to 2022? Yes, we're, we're all grateful that we've got all the twos lined up now. Um, t- today I really want to talk about something that's kind of a theme for the coming year. So it's a little bit of a setup, a little bit of a, an introduction. We're going to get into it uh, more so uh, as the year goes on. But today I want to talk about something that you'll probably be deeply confused about, um, and that is, I want to talk about the, uh, the value of parapets. <laughs> Anyone in building construction here, you're, really, you're ready to go for the class on civil engineering, you're all, all good to go. Um, when I, I went and spoke one time at a Victorian pastor's state conference, uh, I don't know, two years ago, and the guy they introduced me just started listing off a number of my sermon titles. And when he, when he got to the one that said, the value of gold to goats, he was like, see, we got no idea what you're talking about. So don't let the name of this, this uh, confuse you. It actually comes out of my uh, prayer and devotion time. Uh, as I've been looking uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, and it comes out of one of the commands that's there in the book of Deuteronomy, and it goes like this. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. Interesting, isn't it? You're not really expecting that. Anybody think they're going to go to the Bible and find building code instructions? No? You know, sanitation. You know, it's all there. Medical and health advice. There's a ton of things. And some of the commands that are there, of course, you know, there's probably nothing there on how to build a safe nuclear reactor. But you kind of get the idea from the building construction codes that are there about, you know, if you are going to build a, a nuclear reactor, just build it safely, right? You, you, you can, can you get that idea? That not all the building codes are there, but some of the building codes are there. But some of the building codes are actually not building codes, they're actually life codes, okay? In, in, that, in that world, that, Medi- that Mediterranean world, think hot, think build your house out of clay bricks uh, and mud and that kind of thing, that it was very typical for people to build their houses and then use the flat roof surface as sort of another living space. Does that make sense? So if, you're, if, you're, if it's a hot day and your bricks of your house are now hot, you don't want to sleep in the oven, you want to sleep on the oven. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so it's, it's just sort of convenient to be able to use that as an extra place. Maybe you sleep up there, maybe you do some cooking, maybe you send the kids up there to play. Can you anticipate any problems if there's no parapet around the outside of the house? You kind of, you're going to send your kids up to play, not without a parapet, right? It just makes sense that there should be a parapet around the top of your roof. And I was, I just kind of wondering, what, why does God care if we build parapets? Look, why? I mean, I, I've, I've been in building and construction for, for quite a long time, so I've been on very, very unsafe building sites. Some of those, most of those have been run by me. <laughs> I am not the guy that thinks safety first. I, I am the guy that thinks, safety, what a bother. 
I'm like, why? We have to go slower now because we need safety? What's the world come to that we care about people living or dying? <laughs> One time I was uh, doing some roofing in, a, in, a, in, in Canada. Where I was doing a building job, and we were putting the roof on. And, and Canadian roofs, as you can probably imagine, are not flat. Mostly they're pitched, and that's so that snow can slide off rather than build up on the roof and then break the roof. So they got a steep pitch, and also the way we construct the roofs are different. You've got your building roof trusses, but then we sheet them over with a sheet of, you know, like uh, of timber before we put asphalt singles or whatever on. And it's, 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 really, it's really dangerous. In fact, the whole building guys, they're all like, with me, don't wear, your, don't wear your work boots, because if you wear your work boots, you won't be able to stand on this roof. It's way too slippery too, and too slow. So wear, and everybody wore these uh, volleyball shoes. Apparently that's what roofers wear. And so I, I was up there, and so what we would do, we're just filling in with these giant 4 by 8 sheets of, or sorry, 2.4 by 1.2 sheets of, 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 of plywood, essentially, on this steep pitch. And you could actually get a grip with your shoes on the plywood. However, not once it got sawdust on it. Because as soon as it had sawdust on it, it was just a ski slope. So you kind of worked across the roof as you build, trying not to stand too much on the roof you just constructed because it's got sawdust. Well, I don't know these things. So I just walked across the roof, zip, zoop, straight off the roof, as fast as you can say, just wee straight off, off the edge, you know, 10-foot drop down into a pile of dirt, didn't break anything, thank you, Jesus. But I've had so many accidents at the workplace that I've just barely escaped with my life, enough to know that somebody, somewhere, should be thinking about safety in your workplace. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense? I want you to think about your life in that sense. How much safety is built into your life? Are you the kind of person who just wants to live full tilt, everything you can, take as much as you can, opportunities you can, fun that you can, things that you do, do you try to live at the limits, or do you build in safety and security margins into your life? I mean, there are those that flaunt the risks, Right? Uh, I love this picture. It's, it's almost iconic. Somebody, in fact, the other day was just mentioning to me, remember that picture, you know, of those guys? This is from the 1920s, I think, building in New York, where they're putting together these giant steel constructions that become the uh, skyscrapers that make up the New York skyline. That, that they just put together these, ball, and they're just out there. They've got no safety harnesses. They've got no ropes. And these guys are just having lunch. 50 stories above the hard pavement of New York. Does that, do you feel giddy looking at that? Do you feel a little bit like that? Now listen, do you know somebody who lives like that? Is that you? Do you flaunt the risks? Because there are consequences if you do. Uh, recently, uh, we watched this movie, Penguin Bloom. Anybody, anybody seen this one? It's, it's an Australian story, um, and, and the movie's obviously it's based on a real, a real story. What happens is this lady with her family went to Thailand. Uh, in Thailand, they went up to look on top of a building. Uh, I don't know if it was a house or some other kind of structure. had a metal railing around the top of it, and in the leaning for the photographs, you know, she leans against the, the railing, but... Of course, you, you and I know that the climate in Thailand is very, you know, humid. Things rust very quickly. The railing had been rusted through. Nobody knew. She fell. She broke her back. 
she, and then the story is the re recovery. Now, the reason that the, the penguin part of it is that that little magpie is, is named Penguin. And this, this magpie comes into their life and they kind of rescue it and, it, and it. and its personality, in a sense, gives her an opportunity to try again at life. But the devastation is giant, isn't it? A broken back. The entire family, the guilt, the shame, the, the, the struggle, the problems, because, because somebody didn't make sure that there was a safety margin, that she was going to be okay. Her entire family, perhaps the next generation, in a sense, pays for that. So the consequences are something to consider. Who pays for the fact that we don't build parapets in our lives? There's another scripture that kind of goes along with this, and it comes from the book of Leviticus, and this one has to do with harvesting. Anybody do any harvesting this week? <laughs> Thank you, Belinda. You did very good. Not very many people uh, do these days. Very few people are in agriculture anymore, but this is, this is instructions to you. If you're not an agriculturalist, please read with an open mind. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. One of the things that you've noticed if you read through the Old Testament enough times is that there actually are things that are said again from another perspective. For example, everybody know the Ten Commandments? Right? You know the Ten Commandments? You know Moses goes up on the hill, comes back down, he's got the Ten Commandments, gives the Ten Commandments. We lead the, in there you read, thou shalt not steal, right? Right? But here in Leviticus we hear it again. But it's in another context. This is a, a context of description. Here in this part, he says... You shall not become somebody that steals. And you shall lie to people, you shall deal falsely. But can I just say this? The reason that a lot of poor people steal is because there's nothing left on the vine for them. Right? Because God said that if you're going to have a vineyard, you are not entitled to the entire vineyard. And when you harvest your vine you better make sure that you leave a bunch of juicy grapes on that vine because that is how I want my community ordered. I want there to be margin left in the community. I want there to be enough for others. I want that it be safe. I not, if there's somebody who shows up in your community and they're starving, there's got to be a place where they go, a field that is not entirely stripped bare, a vineyard that's got grapes left on it. There's got to be something for somebody else because otherwise what happens? People start to steal. People start to deal falsely with one another. And in the end, we're just a bunch of liars and deceivers. But you see how the actions of one produce the sins of another? Can you see that? Can I just ask you this? Do you know what it's like when people live trying to take it all? Do you know what it's like when you live in a world where Everybody wants all the experience. They want all the fun. They want all the money. They want all of the vineyard. They want all of it. And I remember some, earlier on in my life, someone said to me, this scripture is actually about making sure you always have margin in your life. 
whatever you're doing, do not live to the limit. Don't take it all. Don't, don't live a life that tries to experience it all, have it all, gain it all. And I feel like even just everything I've just said is not going to make one single commercial. <laughs> have less! Live below your limits! Like, who wants that? Nobody's buying that book. It's not a podcast people are going to hope for. Like, it's, everybody wants the maximum and more. Why should I be limited? Well, let me just say this. Limitations may be your very, very best friend. Do your emotions have parapets? Is there a margin in your anger, your sorrow, your happiness, your patience, your anxiety? You know, it's like when, when you get frustrated at work, somebody does something, maybe you get frustrated on your way to work, maybe you woke up frustrated. Then you're frustrated that your toast didn't cook properly. Then you're, toast, you're frustrated that your wife didn't whatever this, your husband didn't that, your kids didn't blah, blah, blah. And then you're off to work and the people don't do the right thing and this doesn't work and that doesn't right. And employees and employers and bosses and stuff. Ah, ah, you get angry, you get so upset and you come home and your anger limit's already really high. You know, you come in your house and the kids have left this there and you step on a rake and it whacks you in the head and you're like... And then the dog, the poor dog, he looks at you in the wrong tone of voice. You know, the dogs, they put on those emotions on their faces. They're faking it. We're reading stuff. But they just, I don't know, I had a dog. The dog just always looked guilty. I don't know, he just put on a guilty face. What have you done? Like that. And then you explode at the dog. Now, let me tell you. Did the dog dig the ditch that is your anger? Did did the dog, is the dog actually the one at fault? No, but can I just say this? That you've only got so much ability to be frustrated before you blow your stack. And if you don't leave a margin, then you might actually be angry at the wrong person, the wrong people, the wrong thing. And your anger could hurt your children. What about your sorrow? I mean, we can only take so many sad things, so many sad experiences, so many brokenness, so much heartache, so much pain. We can only get to a certain place. But what if there's no margins left? You just, you just kept living at the edge of rawness, of brokenness. You just kept being re-injured and you weren't careful and you weren't safe with your sorrow and you got past that point and now you're not okay and you're not okay for other people. What about your happiness? Some people, we just, in this world, we just believe that we're supposed to have all of the joy that's available to us. Take all of the happiness. But happiness, if it's constantly lived beyond its level, it's like a dopamine hit that never reaches its fullness after that. You always have to have more, and you have to have more, and you have to have more. And what about patience? We all need patience. You need patience to survive. You're going to need patience before the end of this service. Maybe during, while I'm talking. We all have to have patience, but if you use up your patience and there's no extra bit, then what if you come to a crisis in your life where having patience is, the, is what you needed at that moment, you just didn't have any more patience, and you quit your job. And now the little things built up, and then you weren't able to deal with the big thing. What about anxiety? 
I, 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 uh, does anybody know this term doom scrolling? Doom scrolling? It, it's what you, when you read your, your Facebook feed or your news feed or your, I don't know, Insta, and you're just looking for things that are sad, broken, and wrong. Like I, I kind of do that. I, I, so I'm not a Facebook type at all, but I, I think I read my news feed like Facebook. It's just, it's a bunch of people I don't know rather than people I casually know. <laughs> and I'll just be like, ooh, that's bad. Ooh, that's horrible. That's anxious. Well, terrible. I tell you what, during the U.S. election, I was just like, ooh, what's Trump done? We, we, I, we. You know, all of those problems, they don't register as just nothing. Your anxiety, my anxiety would build and build and build and build and build. But maybe, maybe you become overfixated on all of the things that could go wrong, could be wrong, could be happening. And then your anxiety level, and everybody has to live with a little bit of anxiety, because if we're not anxious, we're probably just a slug that's sitting on the surface of the planet and doing nothing. We all get a bit concerned about stuff. And it's good for us to fear because some things are very destructive. But what if you are at the limits of your anxiety all of the time? Where's the margin? Does your uh, strength have parapets? Very wise man. When I first became a, a pastor, my very first job as a youth pastor, the, pa- the pastor that was retiring from the church and handing it on to my new boss, he said to me one day, I, th- I think it was a casual comment that he was just throwing away to a young, goofy guy. He said, Joe, don't ever use up that last bit of your strength. Just keep it. And I thought, that's really, really wise. Just don't use up the last bit. The, you know, the, the other day, was, um, we were tearing down our outdoor toilet. Anybody? Never mind. <laughs> we, uh, the house we bought had this outdoor toilet, and it, it, it never functioned that we've been there, but it's made out of concrete blocks and a big concrete slab. The concrete slab was like this thick. It's like they use concrete for filler. So I'm out there trying to break it up. I've got this giant new sledgehammer. It's good. It's, I bought it. It's, it's new, by the way. Not everybody gets excited about a new sledgehammer, but I, I, I am, you can probably tell. So I took all the happiness out of that. So it's this with a really, really heavy head on it. It's the biggest one I could get. And I was using this thing to try to break the concrete up. So Jody's like taking wheelbarrow loads of things. And, I'm, and I was just going for it. And I found like about five or six hits with that thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm bending over going, <laughs> and if that moment somebody had come up and said, save the village, it's on fire, they would have got nothing but a, <laughs> I, had, I had nothing left. Now, think about this. If you are living at the limits of your health all of the time, then you haven't got anything left. But if you live a life that constantly puts your health under pressure, you're not living a smart life. You're not exercising if you're not eating right. If if your appetite is constantly towards the cravings of things that don't help your body have the fuel that it needs to deal with life, then you're not living a smart life. But the smart life is not just, oh, you're not going to look like a Greek Adonis. The smart life is maybe it's going to affect your mental health and you won't have the patience for your children. You won't have the stamina for your work. You won't be able to concentrate when you study. And a failed grade in one point could crumble everything. You see, if you don't get the right rest, 
You see, is there margin in your sleep? Is it, is it, is it under pressure? If I, I only have this time to sleep, if I don't get it, I'm over? Or is there other moments? Is there, is there something about your own personal physical ability to enter into rest? I know that sometimes that's a problem for me. What about your stamina? You know, not everybody has the same kinds of stamina, but if you live using up all of your energy all of the time, then you're going to leave yourself in a place where at some moment you won't have enough. Do your finances have parapets? I, uh, I recommend a book to anybody who asks me about finances. It's called The Barefoot Investor. Anybody might have heard of it. It's a, it's a book by an Australian author, Scott Pape, and, and it really is just really, really good money management advice. Just really good. So if, you're, if you want to learn more, there's a book to read. But one of the things that he recommends in the book is he says you need to set yourself up a mojo account. And you're like, mojo? What's a mojo account? You know what he means by mojo? Mojo is that sort of zip in your step, that sense of enthusiasm, adventure, and fun, and you can do anything, and everything's all right, and you're a bit happy. That's your mojo, right? It's what Austin Powers had taken from him. It, it's your mojo. And he says that in order for you to have mojo, you need to have at least three months of expenses in an account that is just there in case there's a problem. You need to take, you know, what your mortgage repayments are, you need to know what your food costs are, your transportation, your this, your that, your other things. You need to have three months of costs stuck away in an account that you never touch unless something goes wrong. And he said a strange thing happens to you. When you know you've got three months of, I'm going to be okay, you suddenly live with less stress. You just stop worrying about things because you're not worried. Hey, you can, you can soak up a, a big problem like the car breaks down because you've got this mojo account there. You can soak up a big problem like somebody in the family is in debt and you need to help them out. Or you've got a big financial burden and you can help them out. You can soak up something like you lose your job because in three months you'll probably find another job. You can soak up the pain but only if you have margin. So do your savings represent a margined life? Does your generosity have margins to it? You know, it's, it's, generosity is a heart condition. It's not a finance condition. You know that? Like, generosity is about the condition of your heart towards the needs of others. It has nothing to do with the amount of money that you have now. Jesus commended the woman that gave two mites, two of the tiniest pennies of the day. He commended her because she was generous, but she had almost nothing. It has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with the heart condition. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching one of those... Um, I don't know if they just do it this time of year or this is if this I just started noticing but there was this ad for Save the Children on the television. And it came up several times during the day. And I had just resolved in my heart that I was not going to be closed to any need. So the Save the Children ad came on, and I'm like, well, I'm not closed now. So I just got on my phone, and I went through, and I made a donation to whatever came up. I mean, I'm a soft target now. Because I've just decided that my life for generosity is going to have a much bigger margin. I don't say no. I say yes. What about your changing needs? Could you handle something? Listen, we don't know the way that the world's finances are going to play out in the future. Governments are getting themselves in enormous debt right now. We just don't know. Everything might be fine, 
We just don't know. But if things change in the economic environment of our world, could your life continue and be okay? The only way you're going to know that is if you have margin. Now, does your time have parapets? Do you have time that's blocked out as a priority for prayer and Bible reading and learning and hearing from God? If, if you don't get a chance to hear from God, it doesn't matter what else is happening in your world because you will never be able to make sense of it. God is the only one who can interpret your life. You know how sometimes you watch movies and they've got a narrator and the narrator tells you what's really going on or what's about to happen or what the setup to the problem is? That's God. He narrates your life. You know, in the morning, Joe woke up with a bad attitude, but then God encouraged him. Because God is the one that speaks into our life and says, you see this, but this is what I say. But unless you have time with him, you'll never know what he's got to say. So you need to take time to pray, which is you talking to God. Then you need to read your Bible, which is the best way to hear from God. And then you also need to have time where you just stop your asking and you stop your reading and you just wait. And that all takes time. And if you are using up all of your time, there's no margin. What about your family and your friends? What about the rest that you take with them? If you don't invest in friends, the friends won't be there. If you don't invest in family, the family won't be there. It takes time. The consequences mean somebody pays for it. I don't know if you remember last year, there was this giant container ship that traveled up the Suez Canal. And the container, here's, here's, the, here's the basic lesson on, on, on a giant problem that's happening in the world. There's no margin nowhere. The Suez Canal is only just wide enough for these two giant ships to pass each other, right? It's not wide enough for more because the people figured out how big you could build a ship and they built it exactly the full amount of the size that you could get up the Suez Canal. Right? They're like, how big is your canal? We're building a ship that big. But of course, there's no margin for error. And one one goofy pilot doesn't know how to steer this giant ship with no margin for error up this narrow canal, and he makes some mistakes, then what happens? He ends up sideways, and the, the thing is shut for months as they're trying to get this ship out of a place that nothing could ever get stuck because no one planned for anything to go wrong. But then why did it create a problem? It created a problem because nobody keeps extra stock on their shelves because we don't want to have wasted stock when we can just wait for more when it'll come next week. And so everything started to get less. And of course, who pays for it? When there is less, the people who pay for it is always the poor. Because they're the ones. Because the people with the money, the people that have more, they can just go and pay for more. They can, they can afford an extra cost. They can afford an extra expense. They can afford to wait longer. And so they just get that. And the people who miss out are the most poor in our lives. And that's what this is about. You see Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Don't exhaust yourself acquiring wealth. Be smart enough to stop. I'll tell you what, that is never get into the Financial Times top 10 book titles. Be, don't be a dum-dum. Now, what I love about this verse is that, that, uh, that phrase to stop, and in Hebrew it's not in the right order, but 
it's, it's, it's cease in your wisdom is what it means. And the word for stop or cease is karal, which is a primitive root, and it properly to be flabby. <laughs> to desist, to be lacking or idle, to cease, end, fail, forbear, forsake, leave off, let it alone, rest, be unoccupied. There is this wisdom from God that says, when it comes to having it all, just be useless at that. Yes, but I want more. I want you to be kind of pathetic at that. If there is an athletic version of people who live life to the fullest, I want you to be flabby. I want you to be unfit. I want you to suck at having everything because that is wisdom. Wisdom says, I'm going to leave room for God. I'm going to leave time in my life. I'm going to leave time. I'm going to leave some of that fruit for others. I'm going to leave some of that grain for someone else. I'm going to leave having more so that I can just be emotionally okay for the people around me just in case they need me. Because what are the parapet for? Well, they're not for you. The parapet is for the other people who might get injured. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. Can I just be serious a moment? Just a minute, because sometimes I get a little bit silly. My, my family history is of people who didn't have parapets. My, my, my grandfathers were both alcoholics, trying to cope through life on the, by self-medicating, giving themselves a dose of alcohol medicine just to make it through every day. And because of that, they were never there for their children. They were never there for their wives. Their wives lived at a huge level of anxiety and pressure. There was constant conflict in the home. My grandfather on my mother's side died when my mom was 12. And she had to take over raising the rest of the family because my grandmother had to go to work. Why? Because there was no margin in their lives. My mom missed her childhood. My dad, he had to leave home when he was 13. Parents broke up. They both left. He went home one day. Both of them were gone. Both parents. Nobody thought about him. They just left. You know you get so mad at each other, you just leave? No one thought about him. So he went and got a job. Took care of himself. But then, both of my parents met Jesus Christ when they were, my mom was 18, my dad was 26, and their lives were turned upside down, get this, by the one who has the most margin of all. He was not exhausted by your sin or broken by your iniquity. 
he himself had enough love to give so that my parents could be given the gift of new life, so that they could be changed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that I could grow up in a house where dad wasn't drunk. Because of God, my parents changed, and they gave me a chance for life. And can I suggest to you that part of that wellness now is every person who comes to this church I'm a lot more okay as a pastor because of what Christ did to my parents. And you see, other people's lives are going to be hurt or helped by the amount of space you create in your life so that you can be there for others. Our theme for this coming year is called The Life You Ordered, meaning two things. You're going to get the life that you've been ordering to get. It also means if you don't order your life, you will live a disordered life. And I want to just take a moment before the band come up. We're just going to ask God to ask us the challenging question about where is the parapets, where is the margin in our lives, and are we thinking about that? Because he loves the whole world and wants to love it through you. So Father, We just give ourselves just this moment to just listen and reflect to you. Do we live at a limit? Do we live past the limits? Is there a parapet built around the roof of our life? Lord, in any place that you would like to challenge us right now, we pray, Lord, that you would that you would move by your Holy Spirit and speak to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, that there are people here today that you would turn their attention towards you, Jesus. That you would turn their attention towards you. And that you would, they would be able to see that you are a God of love, a God of grace, a God of forgiveness. God of hope, the God of power. Lord, I pray that you would convince people that Jesus is their Savior and they would put their trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to make some decisions right now. Lord, help us to put in the right margins in our lives. I pray that you just guide us right now. I just love you. Just be open to whatever the Lord would say to you about an area of change in your life where you need more space. You need to take care of things better. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to resolve to do things ourselves, but you would help us to resolve that we put our trust in you. That you can bring about a change in our hearts to make us wise 
And Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would move upon us, Lord, to create this new life and this new thought in us and this new way of living. And Lord, help us to get close to you and hear what you are saying to us because Lord, we would love it if we were there to take care of other people who are in need, who are past their margins and are broken. Lord, help us so that we're there for them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.